Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are talking about Hulu's Run, the new housebound thriller that's got everybody talking, at least over on Hulu. We're also going to take a look at 2019's Bombshell. It's, uh, it's that movie about Fox News that you probably forgot about. Uh, it won an Academy Award. We were looking for something extra to watch, and we actually uh, jumped on it because it's on Hulu and Amazon Prime. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you'll hear a review about it, and we'll let you know whether or not it's any good. We're going to take a look at the news, and we're skipping our traditional middle <laughs> segment between reviews this week because I'm going to be honest. We had, a, we had a couple weeks off for Thanksgiving and like still didn't manage to come up with anything particularly groundbreaking. <laughs> We've got some good yep. news stories at the top, though, so... I'm excited to jump into those. First things first, Andy, it's been a couple weeks since we've been on. How you been? I've been doing good. Been yeah. uh, relaxing, enjoyed Thanksgiving. Uh, didn't really watch too much, I don't think. Nothing. You, oh, and saw, you and saw Mank. I did see Mank in <laughs> theaters, exactly. See, the we're historic supposed... Inwood Theater. The historic Inwood Theater in, in Dallas, beautiful Dallas, Texas. We're supposed to talk about Mank this week, if you're a returning listener. Um, and I'm going to be honest, that's totally my bad, because I didn't go see it. Uh, and now it's not available to watch at in theaters anymore. It just comes to Netflix on Friday. So Andy went and saw it. He did his homework. I didn't. Uh, and I'm the reason we're watching Bombshell this week. But <laughs> Bombshell's not that bad. And we'll be talking about Mank next week. So stick around for that. That being said, let's jump into the news. Our first story, Marvel's Black Panther sequel is set to shoot in July. This is a bit of a tale. Because if many of you are just now listening for the first time, maybe miss this news, weren't paying attention. Uh, the star of Marvel's Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, passed away uh, earlier this year of, I know it was cancer. I think it colon had something cancer, to do with yeah. Colon cancer, yeah, um, which is incredibly unfortunate. Um, you know, he, he, was, he was definitely a beloved uh, character here, and he was certainly an up-and-comer in Hollywood. Director Ryan Coogler is returning to direct the film, but it's been in a bit of a holding pattern since May, I think, because that's when they were supposed to start shooting initially. Um, obviously, Marvel's been reeling. Uh, director Ryan Coogler has been reeling. They've been trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? They've been kind of waiting to take their time and figure out what their strategy is going to be, and now they think they've got one. The issue is they're not telling us what it is. <laughs> Andy, what do you think about this? Uh, well, it's exciting that that we're getting a, sh- a shooting schedule for uh, the new Black Panther sequel. Um, as you said, it's very tragic. Chadwick Boseman passed away, um, but you know this is a uh, kind of thing that someone else will step into the role. And uh, there's even rumors that uh, Letitia Wright, who plays uh, Siri, is it Shuri? Shuri, Shuri on the in the show, maybe that she'll take up the mantle. But we do, we don't really know just yet. Yeah, um, the cast of the first film is going to be returning for the most part. Letitia Wright as Shuri is going to be back, who is uh, the the Black Panther, um, his real identity, T'Challa, right? The King of Wakanda. It's his sister. <laughs> I yes. say daughter. Sister, excuse me. Uh, and in the comics, she has taken up the role. Right. Of, of, of Black Panther. In the comics, she is the next logical one in line to play that character. The Internet's been going back and forth about this. Some people think Winston Duke should play him, who is the uh, is a leader Mbaku. of one of the warring yeah. uh, tribes. <laughs> yes. Really? You know, that? you remember the names? Why am I talking about this? Yeah, it's because it's a great name. <laughs> Lupita, it's true. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o will be returning as well. Angela Bassett is going to be back in the new film. And we also have a new actor coming in as the antagonist of the movie, a Mexican actor, Tana Cuerta. Uh, I think is how you pronounce it. He's in Narcos, Mexico. So if you like Narcos, uh, you might know him. But Marvel has been mum on the whole thing. 
We don't know who's playing Black Panther. And I think maybe that's a good thing for now, right? Like, why just get out there and say it? Keep that suspense going. Keep that hype train rolling. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be a big deal when when they announce it and whoever it is, because it's it's taking up the mantle of kind of the first really big mainstream black superhero um, who's taking up after, you know, the kind of a tragic uh, death of, of the character in real life. And so it, it's going to be a really big deal. So they're probably very careful about who the, who they're vetting, who they're picking, who they, they want to kind of see it uh, move forward. So I'm going to be interested to see who they choose. Uh, who do you think they're going to go with? You got a hot pick? No. What's, what's the strategy? No, no clue. Yeah, me neither. I, um, I would say Michael B. Jordan had he not already played Killmonger. <laughs> Panther, Marvel, intro. Uh, they released a new Marvel intro just the other day right here for Chadwick Boseman. Play it back. Let's see it. Assuming it doesn't have... Uh, here we go. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Okay, yeah. So this is the Marvel uh, intro logo for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but just all Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther. Um, oh, I don't know if they're right. going to run this in front of Black Panther 2 or anything, but this is... I mean, this isn't a fan thing. Like, this took some work. Like, somebody had to go in and remake this. So, um, certainly a fitting tribute to come with the news. Um We'll see. My my hot pick is is they throw it to Shuri. That's the way to go. I mean, if you're if you're looking to kind of flip the script on how people perceive oh gosh, now we get some behind the scenes stuff. Flip the script on how people perceive superheroes and you want to start putting females in more prominent roles like they're doing with uh, Natalie Portman in Thor 4 Love and Thunder. She's going to be the new Thor. Uh, there is no better avenue to have a woman take up the mantle of a previously male superhero than this one. This is the best one ever. Like, it fits. She takes it up in the comics. She's a passionate character. People liked her in the movie. It's a fitting tribute to Chadwick Boseman, I think. Like, that's my hot pick. Don't don't just recast him with, like, another dude or something. Like, you know, be, be smart about this. I, I, think, I think there's a path forward. I really do. But mm-hmm. still tough news regardless. Our next story, Mads Mikkelsen is replacing Johnny Depp as Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts 3. Uh, Johnny Depp was recently ousted from the role. (laughs) This was news just a couple weeks ago when we did the show. And now Mads Mikkelsen of Hannibal fame is swooping in to take up the role of uh, the main antagonist in the new Harry Potter films. Andy, any thoughts on this? I think this is a really good pick. Uh, we, we were kind of brainstorming of who should be it. We thought maybe to go back to Colin Farrell, uh, but, but Mads Mikkelsen is a great, great actor, um, and he he's done bad guys before. So I, I think he'll really um, kind of take up the role well. I help, hope they don't make him look as ridiculous as Johnny Depp. Like everyone else in the movie looks pretty normal, and then Johnny Depp, like the way they styled Grindelwald, is just like so bizarre. Just out of no, he's the only character that looks this absurd. Yeah, nobody in the world looks like that. And I get he's supposed to look like otherworldly because he's like a wizard. But like he would also have to have like a generous helping of Pantene Pro-V in his hair like to make that a possibility. Like he doesn't look like a rugged, uh, on-the-run criminal mastermind wizard. He looks like a freaking supermodel uh, gone rogue. Um, so I think Mads Mikkelsen's a good pick. Uh, it's it's some weird news regardless, right? Um he Depp reportedly shot like one scene in the new film and then they paid out his contract and he's out and now they're bringing Mads Mikkelsen in. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to change his identity. They did it at the end of Fantastic Beast 1, right? Colin Farrell turns out to be Johnny Depp the whole time, I guess. So they'll probably just do the same kind of switcheroo, right? Oh, he was in disguise. This is this is his real form I mean, or something. I mean I, th- no, I mean, I think they'll just ignore it like he's been in the role the whole time. 
Mm. You know, I, I think they'll, they want to try to make it feel as natural as possible. And like I said, he's so good. And like, I always think of him best as a uh, Chief in Casino Royale. Um, but he's, he's done lots of roles, both uh, as hero and villain. He's just a fantastic actor. And I think that's a really good choice. Yes. Fantastic Beast 3 is set to premiere in theaters in July of 2022. So either way, it's going to be a bit of a wait. Stay tuned for off script for more on Fantastic Beast 3, I guess. Our next story, Peter Dinklage is going to be starring in Legendary's Toxic Avenger reboot. Mm, boy, the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> what, what do you know about this character, Andy? So the Toxic Avenger, it was uh, kind of a B film uh, that was made in the early 80s. And it, it kind of developed this cult following and eventually turned into like a comic book, a series, maybe a video game e- even. So it's... And it, and it's just like this campy horror thing about uh, this guy gets thrown into toxic waste and comes out and he's like an, a superhero. He's an environmentalist, environmentalist essentially. Um, and so we, Peter Dinklage is, well, we can't assume, they didn't say he's playing the toxic Avenger. He's just going to star in the movie. So I, I, I assume it's going to be him, but I could be wrong. Yeah. If you're watching live on Facebook, I'm playing back the toxic Avenger trailer right now in like glorious... <laughs> 4p uh this is the worst resolution video i've ever seen in my whole life i've never seen toxic avenger um i'm I, it's I, interesting go ahead i ha- i saw it as a kid at some point or saw you know parts of it because there, there's it spawned several sequels as well so uh, i i've seen some of it and i think of it i think it it's like kind of gruesome as well like it's big on the body horror yeah uh, but i you know yeah i haven't seen it in probably 25 years it's big, like, gore exploitation, and it's a trauma film, which is, like, that was kind of their whole thing. I mean, it was, like, absurdist stuff and goofy stoner comedy bullshit, and, like, that's that's kind of their scene. So, oh, good God, I'm turning this off. Yeah, okay, hold on. Whoa, how is that on YouTube? Yeah, okay. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I'm surprised Dinklage is taking the role. Honestly, like I, I think he's said before in interviews, he's really trying to take like roles that are kind of groundbreaking, especially for, uh, you know, a, a, um, an, a- an actor of his. What's the term I'm looking for here? Uh, Just a, a, of his capabilities. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, he did, yeah, I mean, he's, he's known his caliber, as, you know, for more... Of his, God, okay, there's a word I'm looking for, and it makes me sound like a bad person. I don't mean for it to. Um, yeah, so uh, he's usually t- tried to take roles that are particularly groundbreaking, especially for actors uh, uh, actors who are, are uh, little people, right? Like, that's that's something he's kind of tried to do when he took the role in uh, dinner, my, my Dinner with Hervé. That's what he was doing to represent... Um, Hervé, what's his name, from Fantasy, Fantasy Island? Like, when he took... Uh, 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 Game of Thrones. That was a big part of what he was doing. He, he's really tried to take roles that are um, breaking new ground in, in into what is typically perceived as not so big of a, a main 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 casting role. Man, I'm falling apart here. The point is, I'm surprised he's taking the role. <laughs> that's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not at all because, like like you said, he's he's trying to yeah break new ground and also not do you know he specifically has talked about not doing. You know, things that are like elves or dwarves or you know the these kinds of um kind of t- stereotypical little people roles and so this is like a, you know kind of something that you would you would think uh he wouldn't normally get or uh, he wouldn't normally get a, a role like this so I, I think it's kind of a great thing and i'm interested to see how they'll they'll take it on yeah me too so i don't know 
Keep it here for more on Peter Dinklage. And our last story, Juno star Elliot Page is making headlines this week uh, when he announced that he's transgender, which is a bit of a clumsy headline for me because I'm a fool. Um, <laughs> but we can explain why. Uh, Andy, what do you know about this story? Right. So this just, I think, came out uh, yesterday that uh, Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, star of things as Juno, Inception, and more recently Umbrella Academy, uh, came out as as transgender using he, him pronouns. Uh, this is a really, really brave thing to do. Uh, she did come out as, uh, as a lesbian a few years ago, um, and this is kind of another step in her journey of self-identity. Uh, and there's uh, there's not a lot of actors to, to do. And she was, you know, pretty main mainstream actor and um you know you just don't see a lot of that it's a very brave thing to do we did mention the wachowski uh sisters siblings uh, who directed the original matrix uh trilogy um are kind of other um prominent transgender people that have come out so the, that's some it's some big news and you know very brave thing for her for him to do excuse me yeah, no, it's really big news and and it's big news because exactly that like there have been as far as I know, like no mainstream Hollywood actors and actresses that have come out partway through their career to say they are trans. Like that doesn't happen. The closest we've had is the Wachowski sisters. Um, we have some actors and actresses now who are already out, um, but not not this. Um, um, Elliot came out as gay just I think last year, the year before um, publicly, which was a big step for them. And now we're here. And this is, this is also big news because it's a really fantastic learning opportunity. Um, you know, I think a lot of people uh, read a headline like this and they get uh, confused or, or maybe frustrated because they don't understand. I was confused when I saw this yesterday. I was telling Andy before the show. I saw this headline and I was like, lol, who's Elliot Page? And kept scrolling. It wasn't until later that I realized, oh, that's formerly Ellen Page, who doesn't want to be referred to that way anymore. And, and this is a good opportunity to ask questions and to talk about this stuff, right? Like, it's not every day we have a relatively household name. Um announce something like this. So this is a great opportunity for somebody who might feel frustrated, who might see this headline and brush it off like, ah, liberal, liberal actors in Hollywood are just going to keep being liberal. Maybe, maybe, but also like ask questions, right? Have a conversation about it because like, you don't have to just look at a headline like this and get frustrated that you don't understand. You can look at a headline like this and maybe ask somebody, Hey, I don't know any better. And I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to better myself. Tell me what this means. Why is this a big deal? Um, it's worth mentioning at the very least. I think that's why I want to talk about it on the show so bad. So, yeah. Well, and I'm interested to see what this uh, what this will mean for his career. Uh, for, yeah, what this will mean for his career. It'll it's going to be very different. Uh, it's like we said, formerly known as Ellen Page, playing female roles, love interest, uh, these kind of very feminine roles and it's going to be very different now. And it's, um, yeah, I'm interested. Cause like I said, it's very, it's one thing to be, to, to come out and that's a very brave thing to do. But then like, how will Hollywood actually treat him after kind of after coming out? And I, I that's, I'm interested to see how, how people actually treat her in the business because it's, it's easy to kind of be supportive, say you're supportive and then not actually stand behind it in yeah your actions no 100 percent, especially in hollywood um it's easy to say one thing like in front of the cameras and then act differently behind the scenes uh, that's kind of the whole game um you know i i did think of that story probably a year or two ago when scarlett johansson was going to be playing a transgender character in a film uh and the internet found out and flipped out 
And uh, she ended up stepping away from the role because a lot of people felt like, hey, there aren't a lot of opportunities for trans actors in Hollywood. So maybe you should be kind of devoting more trans roles to them, uh, to people who are actually trans. And then Kate Blanchett came out and said, well, I'm an actor and damn it, I act. And if I'm acting like somebody else, what's the difference if they're trans or not? That's acting. And, and people have been split on the whole thing. Just last week, Kristen Stewart had comments about it. Um, because Kristen Stewart is an out gay actor. So that was a, that was a thing. She was like, well, here's kind of what I think. Um, so now it's, it's time for Hollywood to put their money where their mouth is, right? Like if that's, if that's the direction we're going, if we feel like trans actors and actresses should play trans actors, <laughs> trans roles, um, Here's a great opportunity. And you can look at actors and actresses like, like like Laverne Cox, right, from Orange is the New Black, who's had, like, incredible success in television and streaming, like, working in roles. And I, th- I think a few f- small film roles as well. So there's, like, potential. I think I think, I think there there's absolutely potential for, like, some star performances with news like this. This is exciting. Um, this is new. This is a new perspective, and perspectives are important. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm well, we'll stand by and... and uh see what happens yeah definitely and and somebody, if somebody asks you about it or comments like try to educate and be chill right i read this headline yesterday and i ended up kicking myself like why didn't i know better like people are people got to figure it out it's hard to keep up with the times all right so, so take it easy on folks this is this is good news for everybody i promise and with that we are through the news we should move on to our first official review i'm excited to talk about this Andy's excited to talk about it he's gonna be taking the summary on this so without further ado andy please take it away run you do everything for me you teach me you cook for me am i a burden sweetheart i could do more i'm your mom It's my job to take care of you when you need me. And you need me. So this is a new horror thriller now streaming on Hulu. This was supposed to come out back in May, um, but because theaters were closed, it was sold to Hulu. Just came out a a week week or two ago. And uh, the story is, uh, stars Sarah Paulson as this very devoted mother to her um, daughter who has disabilities played by Kira Allen. Uh, she has several severe ailments. She's uh, wheelchair bound. She uh, has diabetes. She has a skin disorder. She, there's a couple of things. She like takes a bunch of meds and uh, Sarah Paulson is the uber devoted mother. mother. She, you know, grows a garden. So she has fresh vegetables. You know, all her meals are like vegetarian and incredibly healthy. She, uh, you know, makes sure she gets all of her doctor's appointments, uh, sorts out all of her medicine. She, um, she homeschools her and, uh, Chloe is the, uh, played by Kira Allen. Chloe Sherman is a senior. She's going to be going off to school soon. And she's really excited um, cause she's kind of just been homebound and she doesn't even have like access to internet or she doesn't have a smartphone. So she's really kind of excited to go away. And then one day she discovers that, um, you know, some of the medicine she's getting may not actually be what it's supposed to. And she starts to suspect, uh, just suspect her, her, her mother, uh, her caretaker that maybe things aren't always as they seem. And, um, I really like this movie. It, it really grabbed me right from the beginning. It's, it's a smart thriller. It kind of gets a little bit more unbelievable in the second half, but the first half really grabbed me. And Kira Allen, who is actually an actress with uh, disabilities has played the role of Chloe Sherman. They specifically wanted an act, an actor, actress who, 
uh, used a wheelchair or uses a wheelchair uh, regularly. They didn't want an an actor acting like they were in a wheelchair. And it makes a big difference. So, and I, I was really glad to kind of read about that. And she, and she really nails this role. It is very physical. She has to, she's actually out of the wheelchair quite a bit and has to kind of crawl and pull herself a lot, which was really physically demanding. Um, so anyways, I really in, enjoyed this and there's a lot we can talk about. Zach, what'd you think? So I tried to go into this movie with, mild expectations um there's a chance you may think this movie is what i thought it was right because it follows along some similar some similar lines there's a movie called mommy dead and dearest that stories that tells the story of dd blanchard which is a, a documentary it was actually fictionalized in a short hulu series which is why this being on hulu has similarities to it um but it's about a young disabled daughter who begins to suspect that her mother doesn't have her best intentions in mind. Um, This is about fundamentally the same thing. It's a different story. It's its own thing, but it happens to have enough in line that you may confuse it as being the same thing. It's not. And so that was kind of what I expected this to be going in. And he told me, no, 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 it's not that story. This is different. Um, so, so I, I tried to go in with kind of the best of intentions. Sarah Paulson, I think is a really, really fantastic horror actress. I wish she got more work and <laughs> well, she's, I feel like she does. I, she, I feel like she's like America's horror mom. She's I know, but she everything. doesn't ever like, it never like breaks the surface. Like the biggest thing she's done is like American horror story. She was brilliant in split and she was fantastic. Like, Oh my God, she was great. Or Glass, I'm sorry, so she was in. She wasn't in Split. She was great in that movie. It was a very small part. She was fantastic. She's got this haunting face and these big wide eyes and like, oh, she's dude, she's great. Um, and she really is kind of our star throughout this film, uh, or star actress, I should say. Everybody else is relatively unknowns. My point is, what what did I think of this movie? It's all right, is what I thought. It, it's got some problems. It's also very well directed. So... <laughs> I'm kind of split on it a little bit. I want to talk about what works because there's some really great tension suspense in this film. Some really good stuff. Also, I want to talk about what doesn't work, which I felt landed on more of the script and kind of the core writing. But performances and everything, I think, were really outstanding. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, Like we said, Sarah Paulson is America's horror mother. She's spent 10 seasons on American Horror Story, uh, some smaller horror roles and also she's in netflix's ratchet about nurse ratchet from one flew over the cuckoo's nest mm-hmm. um so she's just she like you said she's got that look and and part a little bit more of the story is that chloe begins to suspect that her mother may not actually be her mother or that she needs to get away and maybe find some second opinions or get some help and that's why it's called run because she needs to try to get away but she's also in a wheelchair and like she lives on, she's on the second floor. There's, and they, these, and for specific reasons. And like you said, Chloe Sherman has to also carry the role very hesitantly. A lot of physicality, a lot of having to like pull herself in and out of her uh, wheelchair or have to, and this is where you see that someone uh, that is a regular wheelchair user does this so much better than an actor trying to do it because she just like whips around her wheelchair all all the time like she's she's very handy with it. it's clearly she spent thousands of hours in it yeah man um regarding performances uh oh god you just said her name <laughs> kira allen 
Kira Allen. Yeah, Chloe Sherman. That's it. Uh, Chloe Sherman. No, no. Kira Allen plays Chloe Sherman. Excuse me. Right. Kira Allen is the actress's name. She's really good. And I'll tell you why. Because I haven't seen her in anything. It's not easy for a young woman to just kind of jump onto the screen and, and kind of jump out at you in a main role like this. And there are not a lot of actors and actresses in this film. It's a very small cast. So she's holding up, I mean, I'd say probably over 50% of the screen time she's on screen. Like she is, is very much our lead. She is the character we are following. It's not easy Mm -hmm. to do, especially being a disabled actress. I mean, that comes with a whole host of like reservations and, and, and anxiety. Um, and she manages to do it so well. In fact, I wasn't even sure she was disabled. It wasn't until after I watched the movie that I went back and looked and was like, oh, she is actually disabled. I definitely thought because of some of the physicality involved in these scenes that she was just acting right. She's actually somebody who can, who can get up and walk and like, no, no, she's genuinely disabled. And like, that's impressive that she, that she managed to fool me. That, that says a lot. Um, Sarah Paulson's tremendous. I know I already said it at the top, but, um, man, Sarah Paulson, I wish got more, more mainstream work. Like I, I, yeah, she's on Netflix. She's on American horror story, but like, I really wish she had some big breaks into big Hollywood, like some good Ari Aster stuff or something, you know, give me, give me some like good pulpy Sarah Paulson work. Cause she's so good. Oh, mm-hmm. she's so good. at like looking evil. I love it. Um, and she's also good at being a caring mom. I mean, the, a good chunk of this film, that's kind of what she's selling. And it works. She's sincere. You care about what she's saying. I mean, we've seen in American Horror Story, she can definitely hold her own in a number of different capacities and a handful of different roles, but still bring back that horror tone. And that's what she's great at. The two of them bounce off each other fantastically in this movie is this mother-daughter combo with, that kind of begin to have this strained relationship that only gets more stressed as the film goes on. It's that stress that provides tension, and that's what I think this movie does best. Yeah, the the especially in the the first half, the the tension really ramps up. Like I said, there's this question about the the medication that takes a lot of an investigation to kind of figure out, and there's a lot of tension right at the beginning. the The second half, I I feel starts to like you start having to suspend belief uh, quite a bit as it goes on. Uh, but I I feel like the first half is really solid. Yeah, I felt the same way. Um, this movie is written, produced, and directed by Anish Chaganti, who is the writer, producer, and director of Searching. This movie came out in, I think, 2018, starring John Cho. You might remember the ads. Uh, a father, uh, his, his daughter goes missing, and he goes looking through her phone and social media and hops on like Snapchat to try to find her. It's a lot of like computer-based stuff. He's like looking at Google Maps and stuff and trying to figure it out. He's on his phone. It was a whole lot of like cell phone stuff and 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 computer screen caps and stuff. If you go back and look at the trailer, I promise you'll remember as soon as you see it if my description isn't as apt as I'd like. But what I think that movie was praised for, and I didn't see it. Andy, I don't think you saw Searching, did you? No, I didn't. No. Uh, what that movie was praised for was its suspense, which is weird because looking at it, looking at the presentation, it seemed like a very small film, right? There's not a whole lot of actual locations and sets. Most of it's taking place on computer screens. How are you going to have good suspense? But Anish Chaganti managed to do that. And this movie, I think, does the same thing. There are not many settings. It's a very small cast. But there's good tension. And there's good suspense. And it's done through, I think, clever music cues. I think it's done through good pacing. And there's this, there's always this feeling of, of, of Chloe being watched, whether that be by her mother or otherwise. And it never really lets up. And as the movie goes on and you start to kind of find out more about this mystery, as it starts to unravel... 
it doesn't get any better. I like, I think, I think arguably the tension gets worse right up until the end when it finally snaps. And that's something mm-hmm. I think is really well done in this film. I, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> it seems to keep that stress up. Um, even if the rest of the script I felt didn't do as good a job of accommodating. Mm-hmm. I, this, what this really reminded me of was, um, uh, misery of the Stephen King's, uh, novel and uh, subsequent film from ni- I think 1990. I think it's almost 30 years old now. Starring Kathy Bates, who won an, an Academy Award, but it's a similar thing where she is kind of keeping James Caan as her prisoner slash uh, patient in, in that film. And that that's what we have here is like Sarah Paulson is a good mother, like an amazing mother, and it's almost like suspiciously amazing. Right. <laughs> like she's like, well, you cook all these meal bus by hand you, you do all the homeschooling but you also like she doesn't have a phone uh she's not allowed on the internet by her, herself like there's uh, some things of that again it goes from being caring to just being really overprotective um yeah yeah this movie um opens in a funny way because it it, it one of the opening scenes very quickly um Sarah Paulson is appearing at a, at a meeting for for almost like a support group for homeschooling parents who are sending their kids off to college and everybody in the room is crying and is upset. What am I going to do without my baby? Right. They've been homeschooling their kids forever. Sarah Paulson's cool as a cucumber. She's like, oh, my daughter is amazing and she has all these disabilities she overcomes. She can do anything. And for the first act of the film, she pretty much holds that up. She's caring. She's homeschooling. She runs their garden. Like, she does everything around the house. Her entire life is devoted to being the best mom she can be. And Chloe is smart and funny. And she keeps a schedule. And she reads all these books. And she's well-spoken. And, like, clearly her mother, her, her skills uh, like uh, to uh, being a mother are, are a genuine talent that she's good at. And then as you start to get into the film and it starts, you start to find out, hey, maybe the truth isn't exactly what we think. Maybe something's a little off here. Like it starts to get sinister. And like that turn is really, really interesting. It it felt a little clumsy in my opinion. It does feel like far too quickly that happens. And I think it's because of the pacing. This is like a 95 minute feature, right? Like it's, it is a tight, no, it's an hour 30 flat. It is 90 minutes with credits. So it is a tight thriller. Yes, it's fast. (laughs) And again, not a big cast, not many settings. I do want to talk about the setting in a minute. That's important. Um, And, and I think it almost hurts it. (laughs) Like you could have added 10 minutes and like Mm -hmm. spread a little bit of that love out more um because it feels almost almost too fast how this kind of turn starts to happen it's like hey maybe there's something something wrong here um i wish it could have spread it out a little bit more see i i felt like that i i enjoy that it was like a tight 90 minutes but i i agree it could have kind of uh definitely expanded part particularly the second half of the the film um it, it does begin to feel a little rushed and that's rare it's rare that i want something to be longer usually yeah. i'm always complaining that that things are too too long without enough story to fill the time so i looked up a little imdb trivia about this movie and i've got a couple things one uh about your kathy bates uh reference this movie actually features a couple of different references to stephen king um one oh, okay. of which kind of the large one in regards to kathy bates uh the pharmacist character in this film uh that chloe approaches at one point to ask some questions to uh, her name tag her name in the film is kathy bates 
Um, <laughs> oh, wow, just a clever nice. kind of cheeky, like, hey, yeah. And there's a couple other Stephen King references in here. So you're definitely definitely on the nose. It seems like they knew that as well, very much so. Um, but also there's some cut scenes in this film um, regarding like Diane's past as a child uh, and, and even like what her mother was like and maybe how she kind of became this like very matriarchal individual. Those scenes were cut. And I don't think they needed to be. If anything, I think they would have added something to the film. But seeing that it's exactly 90 minutes does make me wonder. You think that was a request by, like, Hulu? Like, hey, this was supposed to be a, a theatrical, but, like, you could just tighten it up. 90s, what we want. Like, that's the movie. Because if I went and saw this in theaters, I think I might be a little disappointed. But on streaming, it feels like a premium, like a premium film. Yeah. Like, it feels really good. It's interesting how that is, and we've talked about that before. There's all these films that were supposed to come out in theater that would have been, like, okay to see in the theater, but it's better than the average Netflix release uh, on streaming. So it, it's kind of a bonus that way. Yeah. And, and I think this movie, I don't want to say suffers from it, but like, again, you, you almost could have dragged it out a little bit because if I went and saw this in theaters and it hits credits at like 84 minutes, I'd be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> this Where's is over already? Yeah. Like theatrical films are traditionally longer than 90. That's typically feature length, right? 90 plus, not 90 exactly. So... That's kind of strange. But I do want to talk about the setting for a moment. Uh, the, most of the film takes place at this house, which is in, like, New England, right? It's it's kind of vague where exactly. I don't think I say exactly where it is. Somewhere cold. It is an old house. Uh, it's far too big for these two girls. Uh, it, it has an upstairs and a downstairs, both of which Chloe can't access. Uh, well, she can't access the upstairs with a... Uh, um, chairlift like on the stairs but it has a basement as well which she cannot get into and that's good stuff that's really good stuff because because throughout the film we've got our mom mostly living on the bottom floor right that's where chloe's at during the day the garden's outside the postman rolls up hey chloe how's it going it's a very like americana kind of thing she goes upstairs a little bit of privacy but for the most part you know what's going on the, the family computer is downstairs right chloe does not have access to internet traditionally she also does not have a phone um, which is explained very early in the film through a quick piece of dialogue. Doesn't overstay its welcome. But the basement is good stuff because just about halfway into the first act, we get mom sliding down to the dark basement and she's down there doing stuff, but we don't really know what she's not telling mm -hmm. Chloe. And like, it sets up a great piece of physical setting to manifest kind of the mystery. And it's really effective because when Chloe finally starts to work her way down there, like, hey, I need to go see what's going on in the basement, even though there's no chair left, you, you get some good tension because you want to know what's going on down there, too. The movie holds it up for the entire film. It's small, but it's effective. And I think that's one of the things the movie does well. And I think the house is is a great medium for that kind of visual storytelling. Yeah, the uh, like you said, the, the house is definitely kind of a character in itself, and especially the way, you know, Sarah Paulson uses terrain environment to, to really keep chloe under control you said there's there's stairs going up to the second floor stairs to the basement there's stairs to go out the like the front front door i think is as well and they also like it's in rural it's in a rural area there's no like there's not a lot of sidewalks or, or that kind of thing if she goes out she's like you know rolling in in leaves uh that sort of thing um, yeah so that it, like i said that that's it's there on purpose it's it's there to try and keep her homebound mm -hmm. so Overall, I, I think I, I, to kind of summarize, I think I really enjoyed what this movie was doing, but the one thing I, I think it does, it did need some work on is just kind of the general script. Like I said, I, I thought I had seen this story before. Like I just assumed looking at the trailer, I knew what this was about. And I think it's just because it's a little too close to reality. Not everybody has seen Mommy Dead and Dearest. Not everybody has heard the story of Dee Dee Blanchard, but like 
<laughs> if you have, you might just brush this off as something you've already seen. And I wish it had done a little bit more to kind of stand out, at least since advertising, to make me think it was different. Because fundamentally it is. But in a 90-minute feature, you don't have a whole lot of time to branch out and do your own thing. And I think by default, telling a, telling a tight story leads to a lot of the same same typical variants you would expect of the story of dd blanchard and that was frustrating to me it just kind of hits some of the same beats and i I kept waiting for it to turn real hard take a real hard left right why why do we have a a movie about a wheelchair bound girl called run which is very much an activity she cannot do and i kept waiting i was like where's the twist where's the Shyamalan like hit (laughs) and it like kind of comes but like it's not it's not i mean i was i was somehow under hyped at the same time too hyped and i missed the mark completely did that happen to you am i crazy no i mean the the trailer kind of gives away where the the film is is going we kind of know where it's headed from from the beginning um like i said the the second half gets more sloppy and this is where i don't think length would have helped it while it would have helped develop our characters a little bit more there's still there's some situations where you have to kind of like just suspend a lot of disbelief about kind of how these uh things are are coming about Mm -hmm. yeah um I wish the third act had felt as rounded out as the first. I feel like the third act just kind of comes at you fast. Um, yeah. A lot, it's a yeah. shame. Yeah. Cause I think, I think that's, you know, when your characters are at their weakest, that's the biggest opportunity for them to rally and overcome adversity. Um, that's the hero's journey. And like, I wish they'd have had a little bit more of an opportunity. It kind of just comes at you fast. The first act is good stuff. It's great build up. The second act is good suspense. We're kind of uncovering the mystery of the third act. I guess you're going to have to watch it and find out for yourself. But Andy, any other thoughts on this one before I move on to recommendations? I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Hulu's Run? Yeah, I absolutely would. It was a nice, quick horror thriller. Great performance by um, Kira Allen and Sarah Paulson. Thrilling, scary, mysterious. It's all in there, and it's it's quick. Like, I appreciated the time. And I think for... um, for streaming, shorter is generally better. People ha- tend to have short attention spans. So a 90-minute movie is probably going to get more watch time than if it were a full two hours. Yeah, I- I'm in the same boat. I enjoyed it. I- it's not a perfect film, but if you're looking for something tight, if you need to fill like 90 minutes and change before you got to go run an errand or I don't know, you-, you got some spare time on your hands, you're waiting for your parents to come home, throw on run. Like it's, it's a nice tight, like short form piece of content that has a good beginning and middle and end. You're not starting an entire series, but you're still getting really quality acting and directing. It's got some good suspense and it's not going to blow anybody's socks off. It's not going to be, I'm not going to say this is like a, a fantastic, brilliant Ari Aster level horror film or anything, but like. Man, for a streaming movie, not too shabby. So I'm impressed. And, I, and I'll be looking to see what Mr. Chiganti does next. Because I I don't know. This, this movie's got something. There's 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 some heart in the middle of it. And like I think there's some good suspense. There's some good tension. Some good horror roots that make Run work. So that's, I think, a Run. Normally during the show, we'd be doing a segment here. We'd go over some trailers, some things that are upcoming, some things we want to see, some things we think you should know about, or we'd be talking about some kind of big piece of news. But this week, we don't have anything like that because we had Thanksgiving, and I don't know. I guess we didn't get any good news. So I'll be taking the summary (laughs) on this next film. Uh, The movie is Bombshell. 
want to convince you that I belong on air, Mr. Ailes. I think I'd be freaking phenomenal on your network. I could pluck you out and move you to the front of the line. But I need to know that you're loyal. I need you to find a way to prove it. So you so allow me to take you back to 2016, a red letter year for many of us in America. Uh, Donald Trump is currently running to become the Republican candidate for president, uh, who Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton uh, is going to be the Democratic nominee to run against him. Uh, it's a very exciting time in the world, and Fox News is at the center of a lot of it. It is, of course, the vehicle with which Donald Trump and the other Republican candidates are touting their platforms, expressing their views, and many conservative viewers are going to watch. Fox News is still a bastion of these things, I believe, but in 2016, it was more so now than ever before. And at the time, Roger Ailes was CEO, Rupert Murdoch was the owner of Fox News, and there were a bevy of hosts with hot takes and opinions. And that's where Bombshell starts. Bombshell is a fictional retelling of real events, I guess, is, is, is the way you say what's happening. Uh, our film follows primarily Megyn Kelly played by Charlize, Charlize Theron, uh, as she and Gretchen Carlson, played by Nicole Kidman, yep, uh, slowly begin to realize, hey, maybe all, all isn't quite as we as we think at Fox News. Uh, and, and things are, I should say, upended when in the middle of the 2016 election, uh, Gretchen Carlson comes forward and, and uh, presents a case to the world that Roger Ailes had sexually harassed her. Uh, and from here, Bombshell takes a hard left turn into the women of Fox News, the women who work there, the women both on camera and off, who either were harassed and said nothing, were harassed and felt like they could say nothing, and the very, very few who decided to stand up and say something against the biggest news network in the world and its owner. The movie stars uh, Charlize Theron as Megyn Kelly, Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carlson, and Margot Robbie as a character named... Kaylee, who is fictional, is not actually a real person, mm -hmm. but pretty much everybody else in the film is. It is a stunning piece of work, and I'm shocked we didn't see it last year. Andy, what did you think of Bombshell? Well, it was interesting because I was really not looking forward to, to seeing this. Um, when it came out last year, I just knew that it was like the, the Fox News sexual harassment movie, and I really didn't have any interest uh, to see it. But I'm, I'm really gl glad we did. And it, it was really good. And I, I again, I shouldn't have uh, judged a book by its cover. Um, it does tell this really pretty heartbreaking story of... Uh, these women in this environment of huge amounts of sexual harassment, not only by the CEO, but other news anchors, um, Bill O'Reilly's named in there as well. And, you know, th they all kind of talk about it, that all these women, they're, they're all trying to improve their careers. And these men that are the gatekeepers, you know, kind of say, well, you know, we can add you to my show if, you know, you, know, I'll, you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, you know. And it's always these insinuations of, of sex. And, you know, sometimes subtle sometimes not so subtle and it's it's really heartbreaking because what do you do in, in that situation you don't have um you know you especially if you're new you're it's one thing to be megan kelly it's another thing to be a new hire who's just trying to kind of get a promotion or or get to a be better show or something and it's uh you know all these women are put in in a very difficult position um but it's about standing up to the establishment and kind of coming uh together and it, and it was you know it took a lot of women with a lot of stories and and evidence to kind of to break this down 
Yeah, this is a fascinating little tale for a couple reasons. One, because the allegations and almost everybody within is pretty much 100% true. Uh, it is rooted in some kind of reality. Um, even those of you who might say, well, there were allegations, they were never proved to be true. No, but the settlement at the end of it's true. <laughs> the the legal information presented is true. The people in it are real people and have many of which have voiced their opinions on the film since it came out, which is crazy. Um, we got a little bit more about that at the end of this review, so stay tuned. Um also, what's wild about this is the headquarters of Fox News are notoriously difficult to get into. There are no, like, public photos of, like, the interior of Fox News headquarters. Like, they don't exist. They they don't get out. Like, nobody talks about what the inside of Fox News looks like. There are no cameras allowed. It is very locked down. And a big part of that is because Roger Ailes, the CEO, um, for a long time, and the fundamental creator of Fox News, I think he started it and then sold it to Rupert Murdoch, um, he's, he's a very paranoid individual. He's played by John Lithgow in this film in a ton of makeup. And, uh, he is a very, very paranoid individual. Um, Great performance. Yes. And, and, and everybody who works at Fox kind of carries that with them. Fox is its own thing, right? It is its own medium. The characters in the film express that once you've worked at Fox, you can never not work at Fox. Like, it is part of your DNA. You, you will always be branded with this thing in media that, oh, you worked at Fox. That's that's the kind of person you are. Not even necessarily political, but it's certainly professional. This movie does a good job of straying away from politics, actually. Um, believe it or not, it doesn't spend really any time talking about the political opinions of these individuals. It's strictly professional. What does it look like when you work at a place where the CEO is regularly sexually harassing the women who work there and all of the women who work there are complicit and won't say anything? What is right. what is that about? And it's mm -hmm. fascinating. And that's what this movie's doing. Well, and, and it shows, uh, you know, conflicts of interest arise where, uh, you know, there's a large portion of the first act is devoted to Megyn Kelly's or the few that Donald Trump had with Megyn Kelly that went on for like a year where, you know, he called her uh, a bunch of very, sorry, I don't want to say them, but like sexually harassing yeah, yeah, yeah. or de demeaning Not terms. Great. And, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of that, is, and there's all these things where it's, you know, she wants to fight back. Uh, or and but the network doesn't want it because they're like well we need donald trump and donald trump needs us so we just need to you know you, you can't you can't call him out you can't get into a fight with him like we we need him and so all like there's this you know national level of sexual harassment uh and sexism that directed right at megan kelly that no no one's doing anything about she can't kind of stand up for herself the network won't stand up for herself and so there's a lot of that like well that's great how you feel but we got to think about the network first or we got to think about our viewers or we got to think of what, what gets, you know, it's like, she's getting, you know, tore up on Twitter, getting death threats. And the executives are like, well, it's great. We're, we have so much mail. We have so much, so many more viewers. It's up by, you know, and it, and it's terrible that it's just this, this environment, like rampant with uh, sexism that no one can really do anything about. Yeah. And it creates a fascinating tale for a film, one that I have not seen before. I'm sure Andy probably hasn't either. Like, I, I've never seen anything quite like this. So let's jump into the film proper. Um, the first act, like you said, is Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump sparring ahead of the 2016 election. For those of you that don't remember, uh, Megyn Kelly was a moderator of one of the presidential debates. And during one of those debates, she asked Donald Trump about some of his previous tweets about women. Uh, specifically things that were uh, particularly effacing about women. And he had some goofy answer about how, oh, no, I just said th that about Rosie O'Donnell. You might remember now if you know what I'm talking about. Um, 
that turned into a story for like a year <laughs> and that's handled in this film. Uh, this film does jump. It takes place over the course of about two years, I think. Um, and so you get little kind of jumps in time where the data pop up on screen. Here's what's going on. Megan Kelly goes on vacation after because CEO Roger Ailes, who she is self-proclaimed to be good friends with is like, you need to take off. Our viewers love Donald Trump, but I'm here for you. And that's the deal. Well, it turns out maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> during that process, Gretchen Carlson, who is another female host, um, is meeting with a team of lawyers to present a formal sexual harassment allegation uh, lawsuit against uh, Roger Ailes uh, in New Jersey, because that's the only place she can likely prosecute him. And the only way that's going to carry is if other women from Fox go forward. And she says, other women will come forward. Other women will have stories. Turns out it's not quite that easy. And then there's one other character you've got to keep in mind played by Margot Robbie. Her name is Kayla. She is a young up-and-comer at Fox. She's working on the back end of one of the shows, but she really wants to be on camera. She really believes the 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 conservative agenda they're pushing there and, and, and is 110% in on Fox News. And right at the beginning of all of this, she has the opportunity to meet with Roger Ailes and is presented with some troubling ideas about how she can get a job there. Um Right. There's so her her character is really interesting, and she's like you said, she's fictional, and I think she's a stand-in for all the people that aren't Megyn Kelly or Gretchen Carlson that aren't these big, uh, powerful news anchors making millions of dollars. So she she represents kind of the the little guy, the little person who's you know at the complete mercy of, of these people. And yes, and it, and it's one of these kind of sick. It's a really sickening scene, uh, one that she has with where it's it's just. It's very slow. It's grooming is what it is. It's just slowly demeaning someone or slowly like, you know, there's this infamous twirl where everyone that gets interviewed or that he meets with, he's like, oh, you know, st stand up and give me a twirl. Just give me, you know, and when they kind of hesitate, he said, it's a visual medium. You know, I'm just, just checking. Just it's a visual. He, that's what he says. Like, it's a visual medium. Um, and it's just like, you know, and then he slowly starts to push the the envelope more, more and more. And it's, it's a terrible scene and it'll make you incredibly uncomfortable. And there, there's a lot of them in the, in this Right. There, there's insinuations early on in the film that Fox News has a leg cam, which is a camera that's pulled out wider than the other cameras on set to make sure they can capture women's legs. Or yes, Roger Ailes does this thing with everybody that comes in called the twirl or the spin, which keep keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that in a minute. So keep the spin in mind. But um, finding out that Gretchen Carlson comes forward and says, hey, uh, there's like a formal suit. It's very public. I'm out at Fox News uh, is is a huge deal. And that's most of what the film is centered around. It's women, specifically Megyn Kelly, who are struggling to deal with what that means uh, for Fox and also for her career and also what that's meant for her to get this far. I mean, it's very quickly established. Like Megyn Kelly is not above reproach here. She is a victim as well, but she's also been at Fox for 20 years and while being victimized has done nothing. And that's questioned in this film. Why did you let it happen? Did you know what that would mean for other women who worked here? Like, because you went along with it, you know? And that's a frustrating point of contention uh, that even Megyn Kelly since then has gone on record. The actual real Megyn Kelly has gone on record and said that's bullshit and that's not how this should be perceived. Uh, you take that at what you think you should, but... That's that's a big question of what's happening in this film, right? What does it mean to go along with this? What does it mean to allow this? And the I film does a good job of kind of turning a mirror back on the audience and asking you, okay, what do you think, right? What would you do? And I think that's well, what a I lot of good films do. 
I think part of what this film does really well is is it shows the difficulty of speaking out about, you know, that there's when people start to they they get a lot there's a lot of blowback, you know, um there's one person who loses her job and luckily later later sues um and wins a settlement, but there's also just um, you know, not a lot of support. Um even from other women, there's a couple of women at um Fox News who are team Roger and when they uh, when these allegations come out or when the lawsuit comes out, they're completely support. And they're like, we want, we need support from every woman here. And there's, there's, there's women who are like, absolutely not. I'm not going to stand up with a crowd and say like, you know, Roger's a great, great guy, but it's still, it's, it shows, I think that's one of the things that, that the film did really well is it shows how hard it is to stand up and say something when you might lose your job, you might lose your friends, you might ruin your career. And it, it, it shows again, just how difficult it can be. So let's jump into a little bit of the film proper because I know we have talked a lot about ideologically what it's doing. Fundamentally, that's what's most important, so I'm glad we talked about it first. But regarding our performances, right, we've got, um, first off, an incredible amount of makeup. Now, makeup and hairstyling actually netted this film the Academy Award in 2019, um, which it totally should have. Uh, Charlize uh, Theron is is transformed in this film into Megyn Kelly. She's doing a deeper voice, which is pretty convincing. Uh, she has some makeup on and some the prosthesis um, that totally sell it. She looks like Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly has said since it was weird to watch the movie because she looks like me. Uh, <laughs> Nicole Kidman doesn't get too much done. She just has a little bit taken off her nose, I think, uh, to make her look like Gretchen Carlson. But again, pretty effective. Uh, uh, Margot Robbie pretty much looks like herself. No big changes there. The other large one is John Lithgow as Roger Ailes, who does not look a whole lot like the original Roger Ailes, but even still fundamentally very different and they're He's a gross all ceo they're all fantastic andy they're all so good in their roles like it's really stunning how effective they are not to mention the supporting cast who many of which are simply relegated to background roles and only have a handful of lines but we're hitting all the big ones here we've got bill o'reilly in this film we have sean hannity in this film rudy giuliani is featured in a handful <laughs> of scenes in this film other real people are portrayed by actors and actresses in makeup and it all works super well. Sean Handy showed up on screen and I was like, oh snap, there's Sean Handy. It's not really him, right? But mm-hmm. it looks close enough that you think it's him. Bill O'Reilly, I was like, that looks like Bill O'Reilly. Like it's really stunning work. So kudos to the makeup and hairstyling team, but also the, the cast. I think that that kind of points to, I think one of the issues I had with the film is there are a lot of people in there. There's a lot of names and there's also a lot of uh, jumping back and forth uh, in timeline. There's a lot of things happening in 2016, things happening in 2007, things happening after the election, uh, the 2016 election. And it, it begins to be kind of a little bit hard to follow just because there's so many people. And there's, there, you know, you, luckily there's titles that, that pop up, there are captions for you to see, like the year and the name, and it's still, but it's still quite a lot. Yeah. If you want to get an idea of the the tone of this film, I'd point you to Adam McKay's The Big Short. Which is not like quite like the big short. It's not directed by Adam McKay. Believe it or not, it's actually directed by Jay Roach, who, if you don't know, is the director of all three Austin Powers films, <laughs> among yeah. other things. He's done stuff since, but honestly, I think those are his biggest claims to fame. He's obviously matured as a director in this shows, but this movie was written by the, the writer of the big short named Charles Randolph. Same writer, different director. Uh. And what's interesting okay. about this, because a lot of this film feels almost documentary style. It's a lot of quick zoom ins. It's a lot of handheld. Like they literally had cameramen walking around with cameras on their shoulders is 
it turns out Jay Roach wanted this film shot like a new set. So in every scene they were filming, they usually had two to three cameras roaming around like it was a live action news scene. Like mm-hmm. it was something on the street, like literal cameramen walking around getting footage. And that's how they put this film together. They had their actors kind of walk through and do their staging. They did their scenes and they had multiple cameras on them at once, which is how they're able to cut back and forth and kind of get these more captivating angles. And it works really well. It's not easy to direct a film like that when you have that many cameras going with that much footage. But I think it's effective. And the editing the editing shows it it keeps you interested. It keeps you going. The timeline's a little confusing, but honestly, it didn't slow me down. I managed to get through it regardless, so I don't even think you need to pay that much attention to it. What did you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, that, that's probably one of my one gripes is just that the um, the jumping around, just, you just got to be sure to, that you're following it uh, carefully. Um, I think one of the other kind of issues, while this this is in some ways a very kind of triumphant film about like these women who are harassed and then they all sue and they, they, they come together and they have evidence and, you know, Roger Ailes was, was fired and let go from, from Fox news. But at the same time, these are all mostly like really powerful white women who were making like $10 million a year. And it's easy for someone like that to, to fight back and succeed. It's a lot harder for the average person. Like, let's say you're, you know, you're 17 years old and you're working at McDonald's for the first time and you got a creepy boss. Like that's not going to be the same story for regular people. And that's kind of the, and you know, and it's not that story. It's not about the average Joe. It's about these big power, but it does kind of, it's leaving out a, a whole lot of the population. You know, you got three really pretty white women as the leads. Yeah. And I, I love that this film kind of, in my opinion, approaches that on its face. Like I said, it doesn't really get into politics, but it also doesn't shy away from the fact that, like, just like reality, there there are likely, in my opinion, I should say, there are no heroes at Fox News. Like, there are no good guys and bad guys over there. Like, everybody's got a level of kind of scummy on them. Um, yeah. You know, you look at Megyn Kelly, right? Well, she was a victim. Sure. She was also complicit and let it happen for, like, 20 plus years. And then when Gretchen Carlson comes out, like nobody goes forward, even though almost every woman has a story, at least in the film, maybe not in reality, right? These are allegations after all this is fictionalized retelling, but nobody's willing to say, hey, let's stand up and do the right thing. Even when somebody is, they're surrounded by staff members who say, now, hold on a second. I might lose my job if you go forward and say what happened to you. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. What about my kids? And it's like, it's really a film about (laughs) how somebody so centered in a big corporation can almost have immunity. And that's horrifying. And Mm -hmm. and this is about the women who try to come forward and do the right thing. And I think that's ultimately what's important. It's a very ideological film. It's good stuff. It's really not bad. So yeah. Any any other any other thoughts for recommendations? Um, no, I think that's it. Like I said, I I really in, enjoyed it. Perfect. Well, like I said, I've got one other clip when we're done, but really quick, Andy, would you recommend Bombshell? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, huge content warning. It, there's a lot of um, sexual harassment and kind of sexism in in the films. So be prepared for that. Uh, but excellent performances, and it it's an interesting story. Like I said, I I thought I was not going to be in into this at all, and it it really captivated me. Um, it's got some humor. There's a lot of fourth uh, fourth wall breaks. It's just it's really interesting. And like I said, the way that they've portrayed a lot of these people that I mean, they look like like they do in real life and they also do a good job of cutting them 
into acts they use a lot of uh archive footage or live uh footage where they kind of splice in the the actors with the real people um and that's done really well too uh so it is like i said there are some issues with it but overall it it's a triumphant movie movie about uh women standing up with each other for each other against this really bad person in corporation um and and winning in the end yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I think it's a super good movie. It's much better than I thought. Um, I think one of the things film really enables us to do is see the other side of things and have a conversation about it, right? Um, and this movie does that. This is not a story I expected out of a movie called Bombshell. This is not a movie. Uh, this is not a story I expected out of a film about Fox News. It's really good. And I kind of wish I'd seen this last year. I don't know if it would have made my top 10, but it certainly would have been something worth mentioning. Um, Bombshell tells a story I did not expect. Andy's right. Huge content warning. (laughs) This movie definitely takes some liberties in regards to presenting information. uh, And, and at times it does it intentionally to, you know, be harsh and point out how cruel some of these things are. And I think that's important, but ultimately Bombshell's very well put together. It's very well directed. It's very well written. Great acting. Fantastic makeup and hairstyling. I can't recommend this movie enough. Bombshell's super good. I'd say you should totally go out and see it. Yeah, now, yeah. I really wish I had seen it last year. Me too. Yeah, I know. I, I wish I hadn't brushed it off the way I had. And I think if, if, if you did like we did, right, maybe it's worth going back and revisiting. It's currently available on Hulu and Amazon Prime. The one other thing I wanted to show you... I'm not actually sure if it'll work or not because I haven't tested it on stream. What I need to know is, Andy, if I play some audio on my end, can you hear it? Are you ready? I'm going to try to test it out. Okay. Do you hear that? I do not. You don't hear anything right now? There's nothing? Nothing. Well, then it's not going to work. All right. Well, what I was going (laughs) to say is uh, Megyn Kelly has put out a 30-minute response to Bombshell. Uh, This came out actually shortly after the film came out. Uh, I've got it playing right now on stream, but you can't actually hear it. So there's no point in me trying to um, play it back so you can get involved with it. But it's her and a handful of other uh, women who worked at Fox who screened the film and then weighed in on kind of a roundtable discussion of what they thought. These are women who are actually in the film, are represented by real characters, especially Megyn Kelly, of course, who is essentially our main character. It's an interesting discussion. And I'm again, I'm not going to say these women are... I, I, I think they are... They are careful. I mean, careful. <laughs> right. What am I trying to say here? They're victims, right? In their own way. And this is the response to that. And I think that might be worth hearing. I think if you if you see this story and you are really captivated by it the way I was, you might want to go check it out. You might be surprised at their reactions to some of the things that are going on in this film. Um, again, everything is alleged, right? There's, there's, there's never any truth. But um, maybe there's a little bit. Maybe it's worth watching and finding out. So if you enjoyed Bombshell, I'd recommend go check out Megyn Kelly's 30 Minute. Uh, response is likely the only piece of Megan Kelly media I will recommend. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, Andy, any other th- I, uh, I guess we're ready for next, uh, what we're doing next week, right? Yeah. So next week, uh, we're going to be watching Mank, uh, which comes out on Netflix uh, this Friday. This is uh, the story of Herman J. Mankiewicz, who was the writer of Citizen Kane. And who worked with Orson Welles for the and collaborated and created the uh, you know one of the best uh, what it's thought to be one of the best films of all time and so it's the story of him writing uh, that screenplay along with kind of the social and political uh, fervor of, of 1930s 1940s uh, Hollywood 
And then the uh, the other one we're going to watch is Sound of Metal, uh, which stars uh, Riz Ahmed as uh, a heavy metal drummer who's going deaf, slowly losing his hearing. And I've heard, I don't know a lot about this movie, but I've heard a lot of great things. And that comes out on Amazon Prime uh, this Friday as well. So that's what we're watching next week. I'm very excited about both these features. Like I said, Andy has already seen Mank. And he saw it in theaters. So me and you and the rest of us listeners who have it are going to have to watch it on Netflix like a bunch of chumps, but that's okay. Fincher's uh, first film in six years will be good stuff, I hope. Andy's already seen it. It's, it's, can you give us a byline? Yeah. Is, it, is it pretty good? I mean, what are we? I, re- I really enjoyed it. I would say it. you should definitely try and watch Citizen Kane if you, hadn't see, if you haven't seen it before uh, watching it. It'll make, make a lot more sense. Well, I'm curious because I have, I have Kane. Is it worth... You think I should watch Kane first and then like... Has you it seen it before? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, if you've seen it before, then okay. you're good. Because, because what it does is it tells the story in the style of Citizen Kane, of like Which, black and yeah. white 40s um, style. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I, I love Citizen Kane. That movie um, is not reflected strongly on by the general public now because it's old, right? It's like 75 years old now or something, but... Um, that movie blew my mind when I was a kid, and I love it. So I'm excited to see Mank. Sound of Metal, I'm excited to see as well. I haven't seen Riz Ahmed in a while, so I want to see what he's doing. And I can relate to the whole going deaf thing. That gets me. So if you enjoyed the show, if you liked what we're doing here, if you want to find out more, you can find us on Facebook where we live stream our episodes every single Tuesday, except today because it's Wednesday. Uh, but we will be back next Tuesday with another episode of Off Script. I promise. I'm pretty sure. Uh, we're on YouTube where we host our, uh, live stream archives. You can go see previous episodes on there of all the reviews we've done. Uh, we are on iTunes and Google play and Spotify and iHeartMedia and all the usual audio only podcast places. So if you listen to us over there, do me a solid real quick, go drop a rating and review like real fast. It helps a ton. I swear. I know every podcast is like rate and review, but like real talk, please go do it. It's important. And also if you can do anything for us, just subscribe, subscribe to the show. So you get new episodes of off script every single week. Maybe steal your, uh, your BF's phone and subscribe on there too. Or GF. I don't know what you're about, but I appreciate you listening. <laughs> regardless, you can email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. You can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com where Andy posts his interviews and archives of thing. We've things we've done. So go check us that over there and uh yeah i appreciate you listening i think that's my whole my whole spiel with that being said this has been off script the home of bold cinema i'm zach lewis and i'm dr draper thanks for watching